1: Welcome back. Big international news on the weekend with U.S. President Donald Trump confirming that ISIS leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi was killed in a daring nighttime raid by U.S. special forces deep in northwest Syria. Trump said that he, quote, died like a dog and that a large number of Islamic State fighters died during the raid, which ended when Baghdadi was cornered in a trap, in a tunnel and he set off a suicide vest, killing himself and three of his children. Leaders from around the Western world have praised this operation, but the question now is, is the world safer from terrorism? Trump, of course, had earlier declared that ISIS was dead and done, but since his pullout from Kurdish areas, hundreds if not thousands of ISIS prisoners have escaped and may be regrouping as we speak. So now, let's go to Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consultants, as well as uh, security and terrorism expert Ross McLean. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us.
2: Hi, Libby. Good to be here, Libby.
1: Okay, uh, so let's start with Phil. Um, how important is this kill?
2: Well, it's important in the sense, Libby, that any time you can take out a significant charismatic terrorist leader, it's a good day. Um, a dead terrorist is always a good terrorist. He can't threaten you anymore. But we should have learned our lesson back in 2011 when Osama bin Laden was taken out by a similar special forces operation by the United States. That didn't mean the end of al-Qaeda. In fact, many analysts are now speaking of a resurgence of al-Qaeda in many parts of the world. So, you know, the fact that al-Baghdadi can't spread his message anymore, he can't inspire people to act either in the region or around the world, including here in Canada, that's a good thing. But it's uh, not—President Trump was a little inaccurate when he declared the death of ISIS way back in April. Yeah. And if he declares it again, it's still inaccurate. Ross, what's your view? Oh I think it's a, I think it's a great
1: uh, a
3: great kill and a great uh, lessening of terror in the world for the, for the main reasons which Phil touched on but I'll touch on them a little bit deeper. Baghdadi was seen as the charismatic leader, the ghost, the leader of the ISIS movement. He was the CEO and CFO uh behind and the caliph. It. Sorry?
1: And the caliph.
3: And the caliph, he believed that he was by blood uh, here as God's representative. And he was a particular study of the, of the, of a part of Islam about the Battle of Badar, which took place when Islam more or less changed from, uh, being a peaceful, uh, religion to it's time to go out and pillage and kill the infidels and do things. So, uh, one of the things that's happened with warfare over the last couple of decades or so, Libby, is they figured out that many times it's too much trouble and too much work to defeat a whole army. So what you do is, is you cut the head off the snake and you kill the leader. And that's what they've done in this case. And uh, I will say this, as far as one major difference between the taking out of Osama bin Laden and the killing here of uh, Baghdadi, and the difference is Donald Trump changed the rules of engagement for the military and special forces. Uh, President Obama had it so that they couldn't even shoot uh, hardly when they were being shot upon. They couldn't do anything without calling uh, way up the chain of command, away from the battlefield and what to do. And when Donald Trump came in, he changed it. He told the battlefield people, if you've got something you have to do to win, you go ahead and do it. Don't ask. And that's the big difference is why you're seeing a a defeat of ISIS in this case. Uh,
1: Phil Gursky, is there any relationship to the fact that Donald Trump announced this pullout that was almost universally panned when, was it a week ago or a little bit longer? And uh, suddenly he has this victory. Uh, Do you see a relationship between those two things or was it just a, a matter of opportunity for the military operation?
2: Well, that's a really good question, Libby. And we're hearing reports now that, you know, Kurdish intelligence and Iraqi intelligence identified Baghdadi's location quite some time ago. Now, you know, operations do take time to, to, to load. You know, it took, you know, Bin Laden took over a year between, you know, finding him and, and eliminating him. It's hard to say, Libby. There's no question that President Trump is in need of a lot of good news right now with the impeachment hearings, the universal. Um, disapproval of his his announcement to withdraw and, and to basically tell the Kurds to go pound salt a, a great ally of the West and he's abandoned them so it's it, you know it's obviously a good news story for him and that it gets the attention away from everything else that's plaguing him was it planned that way I don't know uh, did you see Wag the Dog many years ago I don't want to go down that road if it's the same thing but uh, he definitely is going to benefit from this there's no question about that
1: okay uh, my next question is uh, do either of you have account on how many ISIS fighters escaped or just walked away from those Kurdish prisons?
2: I don't have one, but I'll simply chime in, Olivia, by saying that, yeah, there probably were thousands that escaped, but there's still tens of thousands at large. And to make it more complicated, that's just in Iraq and Syria. There's at least a dozen Islamic State affiliates around the world in West Africa and Somalia and Afghanistan and South Asia and there's tens of thousands of fighters, and then there, there's the, whole, the, whole, the wannabes, the inspired, including some Canadians who think ISIS is a great idea and who will act in its name. So, you know, this, this group is far from defeated. I, I don't disagree with Ross that um, al-Baghdadi was an amazingly charismatic leader, and not having him there will make a difference. But ISIS was really good at, at, at um, promoting what I call Nike terrorism. Just do it. You don't need to fly a plane into a building. You don't need our approval. Find a knife find a car and just do it. And that's, that's why you see these low-scale attacks across the West over the past three or four years.
1: Ross, uh, don't you think that some of these ISIS fighters might now want to, quote, avenge al-Baghdadi? Well,
3: I tell you, that I'm not sure that I'd want to be the guy that's named the number two now, with the United States coming after you like they came after uh, Baghdadi. However, you know, the point being that these committed ones who believed that he was the caliph. They're the ones who are fighting to the death because they believe that they're going to be rewarded in heaven, and it's actually a good thing to storm bars and blow up and kill and slaughter uh, innocent people. I mean, that's the motivation of what they're fighting for, you know. And in terms of uh, the the thousands who were released from the prison, uh, I, I watched the national security advisor for for Donald Trump get asked that question on the weekend, and he said he's not aware of that. He says he's seen the Twitter rumors, but no one's briefed him on that. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much that is. And the other the other key thing here is uh, Donald Trump had said, guess what? We're in control of the oil now. Now, that oil uh, under Obama, they allowed ISIS to work and deliver and take that oil and sell that oil and help to fund things like that. What Trump has done now is he's cut off a lot of the funding in terms of the oil uh, that's going to be available for being sold. So that's another thing that helps to uh, helps to weaken uh, the ISIS movement.
1: Okay, let's uh, take a call from Rick on Highway 48. Hi, Rick.
2: Hi, right, great show, Libby. Thank it's you. It's a two-hour show. I'm the guy's this two hours. <laughs> okay. Listen. Okay, it was a significant takeout, but it does not still solve the problem in the out east. You know, when you got the Taliban still going, you got Yemen, you got Afghanistan, you got the Indian-Pakistan going at it. You got all these other countries. And you know what there is another guy to take over for him there always will be and until they bring peace and talk it's going to go on long before we're gone and pushing daisies.
1: Okay, Rick, thanks for that. Thank you. Okay, I I uh, can't say that I disagree with Rick. Phil
3: well, well, no, no there, I mean, there is no truth to that. As, as Donald Trump said, they've been fighting and putting blood in the stand there for 2,000 years. And that will probably continue. The question from the United States point of view anyways is how much are they going to be involved there while it's going on? Uh, they'll let these people work it out themselves and step in when they need to. And I think that uh, that's sort of the message that Trump is sending right now. You know, play play nice, set your borders, but I'm not spending the money or putting my troops in there for it. Uh,
1: but. Phil, go ahead. I
2: think there's a complicating factor here, and it's that, you know, Islamist extremism has been the ones that we've been focused on, and rightfully so for the past 20 years, but we're seeing a very worrisome rise in Hindu extremism in India. We're seeing a rise in what should be an oxymoron or Buddhist extremism in Sri Lanka and Thailand and, and Myanmar. We're seeing a rise in Christian extremism when, in parts of the far right. So, you know, we, we only have so many resources to deal, to deal with this. And, you know, having worked for CSIS as long as I did, you, you, you have to make decisions on where you put your investigators and what you look, at, what you look into. We have rightfully dedicated the bulk of the resources since 9-11 to Islamist extremism. Now the CSIS, the RCMP, and all of their counterparts are being asked to do multiple things simultaneously. And that, that, that takes resources and takes time. And it's not easy. So I think, I think things are a lot more complicated now than when we only had one enemy in Afghanistan or one enemy in Iraq.
1: That's an interesting point. Uh, I am talking to Phil Gersky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk, and security and terrorism expert Ross McLean about the killing of Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi on the weekend and what it means for terrorism in the world. Now, again, to either of you, do you have a sense or a theory about who the successor will be?
2: I believe, I believe they've uh, named somebody already. Phil, do you know that? Yeah, I did see a name, Ross. It didn't mean anything to me, but to be perfectly honest, I've always been a little reluctant to kind of be the who's who in the zoo kind of guy in terms of the actual person chosen. I think it's, it's someone, as that caller said, they're going to find a number two anyway. The, the key is what kind of number two. So when bin Laden was killed, that was a great day for anti-terrorism. I mean, also, he got chosen, and, and, and he's got the charisma of a doorpost. And that's made a difference in terms of recruiting, I'm sure, but al-Qaeda hasn't disappeared. So it would be interesting to see the, 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 the natural ability of the successor, if he's anywhere near al-Baghdadi, in terms of charisma and inspiring others. So it's uh, I guess watch this space, Libby.
1: And uh, you're talking about al-Qaeda resurging. So when we saw the emergence of ISIS, which uh, is talks about a, a caliphate, and they had lots of territory for a while. Then we saw the waning of al-Qaeda. Are, are the scales going to tip now between those two entities?
2: Uh, I think it's far too early to tell. You know, they, they've both been sort of moving in, in different circles. There was, of course, a big disagreement between al-Qaeda and Islamic State. Al-Qaeda saw is too brutal in terms of their uh, administ- administration of Islam and, and the territory they controlled. So I think they kind of exist in parallel worlds to begin with. Well, one take advantage. I don't know. The, the, other, the other thing, uh, uh, Libby, is that you know Al Qaeda, as I was are not the only two groups out there. There are groups oh, in no, Southeast there's... Asia. There's groups in Pakistan. There's groups. There's Al shabaab There's in Somalia. There's Boko Haram in Nigeria, which haven't skipped a beat over the past couple of years. So it's multiple pieces on a, on a multiple chessboard moving simultaneously.
1: And, uh, Ross, do you have a sense of where the coming hotspot is?
3: Uh, no, but I, I will say this uh, somewhat in similar to what Phil said. Uh, if, if I'm al-Qaeda, I'll be a little bit uh, more concerned because I think that uh, the U.S. is going to be able to take their eye off of or look away and not bother as much with ISIS as they're settling things down there. And they can go and look at the next target uh, that they have to deal with for causing problems. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, what about, um, again, uh, what do you see happening with these fighters who are now on the loose in Syria and Iraq, Phil?
2: Well, you know, we've had this big debate, Libby, I think I've been on your show before, about, you know, does Canada repatriate the Canadians that went over? My answer is no, we don't. They should have stand trial in Iraq or Syria. It doesn't depend what they are. Someone will be You know, very qualified, experienced fighters. Uh, Some will be losers. A lot of the people who have left have, in fact, been women and children, is my understanding, who are therefore not quite the same caliber as a real terrorist fighter. So I, I don't think we have good intelligence or information on the nature of those who have been able to flee the camps in Kurdistan or Iraq or Syria. So I think we need more information before we can make that judgment.
1: And Ross, if memory serves, you actually think that we should repatriate uh, some of certainly the women and children because there are problems. Am I remembering correctly?
3: Uh, You might not be with that one, Libby. I, I I, I don't think we should be repatriating them. And my understanding as well is there are returned ISIS fighters that are in Canada now, and we are not dealing with them. There's already some that have come back over the course of the last number of years, and we're supposed to be aware of them. Uh, but we're not dealing with them. So we have to wait and see what our government chooses to do with it.
1: Okay, well, sorry, Ross, if I if I had you a, a wrong memory on that one.
3: You're entitled to one mistake every decade, Libby. <laughs> okay, so was, thanks for that.
1: Uh, but again, my my apologies, <laughs> and and Phil is is this issue of whether to? I mean, I know that it it comes out in the media on a case by case basis. You know, poor so and so, and 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 her small child, and the parents, and all of that. Uh, but uh, what's your sense? Uh, do you think that actually some might be brought back now that the election is over?
2: Well, that's a great question, and I. It certainly wasn't going to happen during the election campaign because the vast majority of Canadians want nothing to do with these people. My position has been pretty consistent since the beginning, Libby. I have advocated for the return of children, especially young children. They're not agents in this. They didn't choose to go to Iraq and Syria. They should be returned immediately. And I'm going to go one step further. They should be removed from their parents and either placed with extended family or in state care because any mother or father who took a young child to the Islamic State to join a terrorist group, Meets my definition of an unfit parent. So, you know, we have Children's Aid Society in this country, which, which remove children who are in danger. But the, the, a lot of those kids... Psychological. Were... These kids are in danger. Get them the hell out of their parents' hands. Put them with people who know how to raise kids.
1: Though, I would imagine that most of those little kids would have been born there. Well,
0: well,
2: some were. A lot were born in the Caliphate, but a lot were also... Like, young infants were taken as well in the mass exodus to the Islamic State in 2013, 2014, 2015. But yeah, so whatever these kids are, they're all under the age of five. Get them out. They're in horrendous conditions. They don't deserve to be there, whereas their parents made conscious choices. Like I said, people have accused me of advocating kidnapping. I'm advocating taking children out of dangerous situations because their parents are unfit to raise them.
1: And uh, Ross, what do you think of Phil's suggestion?
3: I think he's doing a great job of playing Solomon there, and I don't disagree with that Perhaps being a way to deal with it. It's a tough situation all the way around, but I don't disagree with his thoughts.
1: Mm-hmm. And do you worry that now that the election is over, the Liberal government might go soft on this, Ross?
3: I've always been concerned about that, <laughs> so I don't see why I wouldn't be concerned about it now. So, but we'll we'll wait and see. You know, that's that's what we've got to see. We've seen it soft before, and you know, we have to wait to see here if there's going to be some sort of little flare-up of payback from this killing of. Uh, Baghdadi Daddy as well, and we'll we'll see what muscle flexing goes on and what goes on. I mean, Toronto, uh, we just convicted a guy who uh, you know ran over a cop and ran over some other people in Calgary. We had another incident, I, I think, actually out in Calgary as well that was possibly terror inspired or some such thing. We've had the two uh, military people killed here in Canada, so I mean, it happens here. It's in Canada, uh, so we have to we have to deal with it.
1: Yeah, and of course, we just had the fifth anniversary of uh, the, uh, Parliament Hill and the killing of uh, of Nathan Cirillo.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. That's the one. God bless him. All right. Rest in peace for those two men.
1: Uh, okay. Well, Sorry, go ahead. We're. I was just going to say we're starting to run out of time. So, uh, Phil, what would just, you like just, to leave us with?
2: Yeah, just to pick up on Ross's um, comments, you know, Historical data has shown that actually a fairly small percentage of those that come back actually do something in the country. The problem, Libby, is that one is too many. And, you know, when you work in law enforcement or security intelligence, you're only as good as your last failure. Nobody really cares how many you stop. They want to make sure that you stop them all. So even one gets through and does something. We had the attack in the Canadian Tire in Scarborough two summers ago. With a, a frustrated ISIS, this uh, um, Rahab Dugmash, she's yep. bringing a golf club and the Canadian Tire. I think I was on the, your show with that, actually, yep. when that happened. What if she'd been successful and killed somebody, right? Canadians won't be forgiving in that sense. So that's another argument against repatriation.
1: Okay. And, Ross, what would you like to leave us with? I'd like to say
3: God bless the U.S. of A., their massive military strike force power that's able to go out and strike massively anywhere in the world. Uh, It's tough to win a war, but if there's a pinpoint that they want to take out and something they want to nail, uh, nothing is going to stop them. And I'm glad to see that this guy was taken down and avenging all of those horrific, horrible deaths that he caused and the torture that he caused over the years. So God bless the U.S.A.
1: Okay. (laughs) Phil, do you want to respond to that before we wrap?
2: I'll just leave it at that, Libby.
1: Okay. We'll leave it at that, and uh, hopefully uh, we won't have to discuss any bad ramifications from this anytime soon. Thank you so much, Phil Gursky and Ross McLean. Thanks,
0: Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.